So Sam being ill tonight, uh, we just came in actually for the Priority 15 conference, which has been a huge blessing to serve and be a part of that and um, just pray over people and see how the Lord is moving, especially medical uh, professionals to go serve in the nations and share a little bit about Yemen, which uh, some of you may know God has given my wife and I a history of, of service to the peoples of Yemen, as well as to uh, other workers in, in Middle Eastern uh, contexts where people are serving and blessing and doing ministry among Yemeni people. And we continue to do that. Um, but one of the things that's actually unique um, to any of that, that the Lord has been working in my heart on recently, is on the subject of service. Uh, and so I really just want to take some time tonight and just share with you some observations from John chapter 13 um, about what Jesus thinks about service. And um, there's a clock up there. Good. I was making sure that I knew what time we were at. And, um, so really my intent is, is just to share a little bit observation-wise. I know um, I've watched the, the video last couple of weeks going through the life of David and thinking about David, a man after God's own heart, right? And that's been deeply encouraging to me. And, and God just began to, to kind of put this on my passage. Uh, Jesus, of course, who is our ultimate example of all of what we're looking to, to see in the example of David, David be just being a type of Christ and Christ being the perfect and ultimate fulfillment. And so you know this story well, and uh, for time's sake, we'll just read a few pieces of it at a time. But, but in John 13, verse 1, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from the world to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end profound statement. He loved them to the end. Now, when it was time for the supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. And Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, and that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. So, he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and wrapped it around himself. And next, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel that he had laid around him. We'll stop there for a moment. A very familiar passage to us all, the, um, the weekend, you know, the night before, the night of his betrayal and uh, just prior to his crucifixion. Now he knows that the time has come. The author, John, makes a very specific point for us that Jesus knows a lot of things are taking place right now. He knows his hour has come. He knows who he is to the core. He knows that he came from the Father. He knows that he's going back to the Father. He knows that he's about to complete the purpose for which he came. He, he knows all of this. He knows exactly who he is. He knows his purpose. He knows what he came for. He knows that he's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He knows he's the very Son of God, um, sent from heaven. And it says, and it's an interesting way that it says it there in, in verse 4, because he knows all these things, essentially. So because of all this, he gets up and he takes his outer cloak off and he wraps a towel around his waist. And I just find that observation for me, the Lord put in my heart that Jesus, out of the knowledge of his identity, out of the fullness of, of, of who he was and knowing his relationship and his esteemed place with the Father as the only begotten Son of God, because of his identity, because of his confidence, and who he was and what he was sent to do. Instead of focusing on anything else in those moments, he chose to humble himself yet again. 
and, and take on a cloth and, and wash his disciples' feet. Um, and I think that's, that's great because we think a lot, I'm sure, I know you talk about it here because I hear Sam talk about it and, and other people who speak, um, about our identity, right? Who we are as sons of our Father in heaven. That we have been given this esteemed, really, place. We know we didn't deserve it. We're not so foolish or arrogant to think that. We rightly understand it's, it's by grace, and we're humbled by that. But we recognize that, that we've been redeemed. We've been pulled out of a place of low, uh, the pit of sin and, and the pit of the, the power and consequences of sin over us. And, and we've been elevated, transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son, um, and, and, and sometimes that leads us to kind of think a little bit about what our, our role and our purpose is as well, um, to be prophetic, and, and amen to that, to be prophetic, um, to do great things for the kingdom of God, right, to, to go on mission and to make disciples and to serve. And, but I just think about how Jesus, you know, chose to handle that in his moments, and uh, knowing who he was, taking a towel and kneeling down at the, the foot and, and washing people's feet. Um, there's so much in this passage to be shared about that, but that was a challenge to me more recently as I began to think about all the things that God has called me to do. Lord, what do you, you know, how am I going to minister your kingdom to people, you know, in great power and in authority, uh, you know, like we want to do? And Jesus drew me to this and began to show me opportunities with people around me, um, people that you wouldn't quite think or expect um, to serve, and God began to give me opportunities to just serve people on a, on a more down-to-earth basis. Um, there's two then contrasts between two different people that are mentioned after this. The next one is Simon Peter, right? And you know the story there. He comes up to Simon, and he, he offers to wash him, but Simon is hesitant and said, I'm not going to let you, you know, there's a sense of, of piety there, recognition of who he is. I'm not going to let you wash my feet because you're the Lord. And and of course, Jesus tells him, if you don't, then you have no part in my kingdom. And so then Simon is more than willing to let him serve and, and wash his feet. But there's one more character that's mentioned here. And he's mentioned twice, one in uh, verse 2, but then there's a whole section on him, verses 21 through 25. And it's, it's Judas, Judas Iscariot. I kind of wonder sometimes, what did Jesus, um, what did he feel when he came to Judas's feet? You ever thought about that? When he got to Judas Iscariot's feet and knowing everything that he knows about Judas, um, thinking back on however long, maybe just a few weeks prior when uh, the incident in, in Simon the Pharisee's house and the woman with the alabaster jar comes in and, and just worships him and pours out the, the perfume on his feet. And then um, Judas in his, you know, self-righteous piety, uh, you know, complains about it and says, well, shouldn't this have been given to the poor? And you know, in many such cases, Jesus would call people out like that very sternly, very strongly, and he does. He, he certainly corrects it. Um, Jesus knowing, you know, as it, the scripture tells us that he would, Judas would oftentimes help himself uh, from the money bags because he was the keeper of the money. And obviously, Jesus knowing what was about to happen, that Judas would betray him. What do you think Jesus felt when he got to Judas's feet? Judas was still there during this time. He didn't leave until after all of this. So Jesus washed Judas's feet. There's a man um, in my life right now. His name is Russell. Um, and he's a very simple, very humble, uh, I say humble in the sense of, of means of life. He's, um, he's a guy who lives in just a little motel uh, from the town actually where we just moved out of, a little rundown motel where 
you know, basically just a step up from being homeless. And he stays in, in this little one-room motel and uh, has virtually nothing and, and no money and nobody, no family, no friends, just absolutely nothing. Real rough around the edges, as you could imagine, uh, Russell is. And about a year ago, uh, a lady in our church introduced us to Russell. Um, God began to put it in our hearts uh, just, just to open up our home for people to come uh, and uh, so that we could just um, offer a meal and offer the love of Christ, as, as simple as that is. And, uh, and Russell was invited, uh, which we were, we were glad for. And, um, Russell began to come and, and partake of that um, and eat some meals sometimes. And, um, and uh, sometimes we wouldn't hear from him. Then other times he'd come back and we'd see him again. And, you know, he'd start to call. He'd need help. He's, well, he needs a ride. Of course, he doesn't have a car. And so um, needs a ride to Walmart, pick up some groceries, needs a ride to the pharmacy, uh, needs help with this and things of that nature. So um, Russell's the kind of guy where um, once he finds somebody that's willing to serve uh, with a willing heart, he kind of attaches on and, and co continues to come. And you've got somebody in that life maybe if you've ever opened yourself up to, to serve people. And um, so he would constantly call with things and, and needing help. Well, uh, lately, Russell got to a point where um, he was just calling all the time, you know, wanting, needing help with things and things like that. And um, so we just start, we started inviting Russell over to our house for dinner more than just on these weekly occasions when we'd offer it to anybody. And, um, and Russell, he would come, and he started coming every night, actually, for a while, which was, which was fantastic. You know, the Lord was like, hey, you know, you asked for someone to serve, and here's someone to serve. And so, um, and so but it got to the point where we would get busy, and we were out of town and things like that, and Russell kind of um, got an entitlement mentality about it. And it was like, well, you need to, you know, provide for me and make sure you're taking care of me. And it became such a burden to me. So I started sharing this with other people uh, in our church, and there was uh, kind of a debate, I guess you could say, uh, differing opinions about, well, how do, you, how do you love a man like this? Um, some were of the opinion that, well, you know, because he's um, kind of an entitlist or a prideful person or he, you know, he doesn't really, he's not grateful or, um, you know, whatever the reasons would be, that he's kind of a manipulator and he'll just take advantage of you, that we should just kick him to the curb and let him, you know, handle his own and whatnot. Um, and the Lord reminded me of, of John 13, and I thought about Judas in those moments. Um, or I thought about all the other places where Jesus talks about, you know, ministering to those who can't give in return, or um, even loving your enemies, right, and picking them up and helping and serving them. Uh, he never says anything about being on guard, about being taken advantage of by those whom you love. In fact, in many places, on the contrary, he says if someone asks of you to go one mile, you go two, or if someone asks for your inner cloak, you you're out or you give them your inner cloak as well. And um, all these thoughts begin to run to my mind. And that's so why I was thinking about Russell and I was thinking about Jesus with Judas Iscariot and how when he came to him, he washed his feet um, with all the pain and all the burden, um, knowing what the relationship was and knowing what was coming on the other side of the night and what Judas was about to do. Even knowing all that, Jesus knelt down and, and washed his feet. And we don't have time to think about all the passages that Jesus talks about love, right, and loving one another, and how is it that, that people will know that we are his disciples? Um, and it is by our love for one another. And so I go back and I think about that, that verse 1 that says, when after Jesus knowing all these things, that his time had come, and he was going back to the Father, he loved them. And he loved them to the very end. And so my, my thought and my challenge to you on this tonight is 
I think in many ways we all accept the idea of loving our neighbors, even loving one another. Um, but how are you doing at, at loving the unlovable? Um, how are you doing at loving the really hard cases? Those not only perhaps that don't have anything to give in return or to love you back in return, but how about those that Jesus might call them your enemies who might take advantage of you? Uh, or who might require from you a greater sacrifice than maybe what you initially set out to give, or who are ungrateful, um, or, or who offer uh, some level of um, demeaning rebuke in return for your, for your love and for your service. Um, I, I just was thinking about this and wanted to bring it to you from my heart tonight because it's something that God had to kind of help me to, I don't want to take too far a step back, because take a step back on. Um, because my, my thought process for, for so long recently has been, Lord, how are we going to advance your kingdom? And, and Lord, how are we going to make these strides and step out in faith and, and be missional and make disciples and, and all these things? And, 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 you know, really what the Lord was doing is he was showing me a picture of, of humble service. And, uh, and, and it reminded me of another passage of scripture when um, Jesus was talking with his disciples and he explained to them, you want to be great in the kingdom of God. You really want to pursue greatness. Um, well, then become a servant because even the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Um, so, as we think about our, your place, I, I, many of you, I don't know where you go to church or what your context is or, and where you are in your walk with Christ or in making disciples or ministering or serving to others or whatever. Um, one thing I know is true. God may have gifted you in all different ways of, and capacities, but the humble service, not only of our brothers, but also of our enemies or the unlovable, or those who don't offer any love or anything in return is just as important to Jesus and is just as powerful of a testimony of how the world knows that we are his disciples. That light that we shine, as Jesus calls us, lights of the world, that salt with which we uh, preserve and, and take care of and bring preservation and restoration, um, salt of the earth, those things, I believe, um, how, we re how we live out those things, I believe, um, are directly related to how, how we humbly serve. And uh, I don't really have anything else to share with you tonight. Again, as I mentioned, this was just something the Lord put in my heart when, when I found out that Sam was sick earlier today. And in a moment, uh, I know we want to move into what is normally a lab time, and I confess I'm not normally here, so um, I don't know exactly how those go, but among many things that lab time may be, I'm, I'm confident that it's at least this, hearing and responding to the Holy Spirit. Am I, am I at least right on that? Um, and so here, here's kind of what I want to do. Let's just take a few minutes, and, uh, and I, I just want you to, to pray in your own heart. Um, we'll see. Maybe the, the Spirit wants to move, and we'll do something different in a moment. But in this moment, I just, I just want to ask a very simple, simple question. Um, how are you at washing feet? Um, how are you at washing the feet of your fellow disciples, your, your spouse, your, your children, um, brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, those in the Lord? Clearly, that's a, that's a part of it. 
washing one another's feet as Jesus explains the meaning of why he did what he did. So you call me master and Lord, rightly so. Um, so just simply do what I did and wash one another's feet. But then I want you to consider how are you doing at washing the feet of the unlovely, washing the feet of the betrayer, washing the feet of those who you know intend to take advantage of you, who you know don't love you back. That's when we're most like Christ. So Father, right now we will just take a minute and, and we'll pause and we'll um, pray amongst ourselves in the moment in the quietness of the spirit. Lord, just asking that question. And right now that's, that's all I wanna do is I'm just gonna pause and, and, and spirit, I pray that you would just Help us to answer that question. No, no guilt, no shame, but just self-evaluation. Lord, how are we doing? How am I doing? In loving, through service, in practical ways that costs me something that is humbling in nature, that is sacrificial in nature. Um, even towards those that are unlovely. Jesus, we thank you that your kindness beckons us and draws us. Um, e even if you have revealed something in our hearts tonight um, that shows an area of weakness or a lack of faith or a lack of obedience or a lack of just consideration, whatever you have, have spoken and said tonight, we thank you that you are patient, that you are kind, and merciful, you have been merciful and kind to us. And so, Lord, we ask that you would make us just, just like you. Lord, a simple thing, a simple prayer. Just like Jesus said, servant is not greater than his master, and so just do what I did. Lord, you are so merciful and kind and patient and loving towards us, even when we have been unlovely. Even we have been um, haters of God and not lovers of God before. And even when we are unfaithful, you are faithful. So, so God, can we do that 
Can we do that for our neighbors and who, of course, are our neighbors, Lord?